So this afternoon I'd like to focus on the truth of the gospel as we find it confessed in Lord's Day 45. A Lord's Day that begins a lengthy section on prayer. And particularly in the message this afternoon, I'd like to focus on the first two questions, but we'll read that Lord's Day together. Why is prayer necessary for Christians? Because prayer is the most important part of the thankfulness which God requires of us. Moreover, God will give his grace and the Holy Spirit only to those who constantly and with heartfelt longing ask him for these gifts and thank him for them. What belongs to a prayer which pleases God and is heard by him? First, we must from the heart call upon the one true God only, who has revealed himself in his word for all that he has commanded us to pray. Second, we must thoroughly know our need and misery, so that we may humble ourselves before God. And third, we must rest on this firm foundation, that although we need that although we do not deserve it, God will certainly hear our prayer for the sake of Christ our Lord, as he has promised us in his word. What has God commanded us to ask him? All the things we need for body and soul, as included in the prayer which Christ our Lord himself taught us. What is the Lord's prayer? And there follows the prayer which we just read from in scripture. Brothers and sisters of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, I believe that one of the most challenging things for us as Christians, one of the most difficult things for us is to be people who are consistent, who are diligent, who are faithful in prayer. I think it's a challenge for all of us to be men, women, children who are faithful, committed in prayer. It seems like in the midst of the hustle and bustle of life, in the midst of the commitments of church and school and and kids and sometimes sports and all of these things, it seems like sometimes prayer gets the short end of the stick. Isn't it true that sometimes when we sit down for a meal and things are busy and we have a lot going on, isn't it true that sometimes we're tempted to kind of just throw in a little bit of a, a short prayer? You ever found a time in your life where you kind of just chose the Lord's Prayer because it was, it was quick? I think the truth is that sometimes, sometimes even when we're gathered here, we look at the minister and we think, he's been praying for a long time. Do we value prayer? Do we spend time one-on-one in prayer? Maybe with our spouse? Do we spend time in prayer one-on-one with a friend Parents, can I ask you, do you ever spend time one-on-one in prayer with your children? Do you model prayer? Do you value prayer? I once heard it said that the life of the church should be saturated in prayer. And I think that's a great phrase. It's a critical phrase. It should be true of the life of the church. It should be saturated in prayer. But the truth is that it should also be true of our personal lives. Our personal lives should be saturated in prayer because prayer, it is one of the most powerful, powerful tools that God gives us. And that's what I'd like us to reflect on this afternoon, simply the power of prayer. And I'd like us to ask two questions following the first two questions of the catechism. Basically, the question of why pray 
And secondly, well, how do we pray? Or maybe perhaps I could say, how do we pray rightly? Well, perhaps there's no better way to begin a sermon on prayer than to simply deal with the question of why pray? Why pray? After all, this is the question that a lot of atheists, a lot of skeptics, that's the question they'll have for you. They'll say, if you believe in this sovereign God, this God that knows everything, that controls all things, that knows your heart, that knows the details of your life, that that everything, even before it happens, then why pray? And that question, that question actually highlights their misunderstanding of prayer. And so when we look at prayer and we ask the question, why pray, I will suggest there are three, three reasons this afternoon why we do, in fact, pray. In the first place, at a very simple level, we pray because God tells us to. As Bible-believing Christians, people who take the word of God for what it is, it's clear that God commands that we be people of prayer. I could point you to a passage like 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16 to 18. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. God wants us to be people of prayer. But I want to warn you that even though God does command us to pray, we should never have the impression that prayer is now some type of cold, manufactured routine. Prayer is not a factory where you just kind of plug in some words and, and then, you, then you spit out a prayer on the other end. No, prayer is something that God gives us. He grants it to us. He allows us to have prayer. Again, we shouldn't look at prayer as one of these things that we have to do. Prayer is what we get to do. God allows us to be in communication with him. And he allows us to do so to express thankfulness. It's the second reason you could say why we pray. We pray to express thankfulness. The catechism says prayer, sorry, prayer is the means, prayer is the largest part of the thankfulness which God requires of us. God allows us to communicate our thankfulness. And I wonder if we think about that as we pray that God allows us to be in communication with him. That he allows us to open up to him and to share our hearts with him. And by means of this, to actually deepen our relationship with him. We deepen our relationship. If you think about it, it's a principle that applies equally to our earthly relationships. If you have an earthly relationship with an individual and you're in communication with them and you open up and you become vulnerable and you share some of your fears and your challenges, is it not true that your relationship becomes so deep and so meaningful? Well, the same principle applies to prayer. We're able to strengthen and deepen our relationship with God. And I wonder sometimes, I wonder if we consider the fact that Often our prayer life is a reflection of the state of our relationship with God. Often our prayer life can be a reflection of the state of our relationship and our walk with God. Do we think about that when we pray? 
Or are we sometimes tempted to think that that prayer is really almost like a, a Facebook news feed for God? Do we sometimes look at prayer as if we're just giving God status updates? It's not prayer. Prayer is expressing your thankfulness to God. Prayer is expressing your dependence, your love. It's about telling him about your highs and your, your lows and your challenges and your sorrows. Prayer is about meaningful, deep communication with God. That's why we pray. Finally, we pray because God truly hears prayers. And that may sound, may sound a bit silly to say that. God truly hears prayers. But I wonder if we put enough thought into that. I mean, the Bible has so many examples. You could think of Exodus 32. God is incredibly angry at the people because of their sin of the golden calf. And he wants to wipe them out. But Moses intercedes for the people. He prays and God relents. I think of an example like King Hezekiah. This king that's about to die. And he prays to God and God grants him 15 years. God answers prayers. Do we approach prayer this way? Do we pray as if God answers? Do we pray with the urgency that prayer requires? I want you to imagine a scenario. I want you to imagine perhaps that you come home to find your house on fire. And you know that there are loved ones inside. I want you to imagine your prayer in that case. Would you not fall to your knees? Would you not cry? Would you not wail out? Would you not weep and plead with God? Well, we live in a world that spiritually is on fire. And I wonder if we approach prayer that way. Do we think of the kingdom of God and do we plead? Do we beg? Do we cry out for God, for those whom he places in our lives, our loved ones, our co-workers? Are we crying out to God on their behalf? Do we trust that he has the power to answer? And he won't always answer the way that we would like. I know that's a difficult aspect to explain about prayer. God doesn't always give us the answers that we want but that doesn't mean that he's not answering. That's the difference in this life between recognizing God's perspective and our perspective. That's part of our walk of faith, trusting that God truly means what he says in his word when he says that he's working all things out for our good. And one day, one day I believe that on the other side of eternity, we will see that. We'll see all things worked out for our good because God does answer prayer. So three reasons why we pray. We pray because God tells us to. We pray because God offers us a means of communication, a thankfulness. And we pray because he hears prayers. So then the question, how do we pray rightly? And I worry even about putting that question in such a way 
Because we are so tempted to think of prayer and to say, well, as long as we have the words right, and as long as we have things articulated in the right way, then our prayer is effective. But praying rightly, prayer that is pleasable and secting to God, that type of prayer is about a matter of the heart. That is about a right disposition before God. And in order to understand whether we have the right heart, the right mindset, the right attitude for prayer, we can really ask three questions. And that really is the way that the the catechism has it set up as well. We can ask these three questions to determine if our heart is right and our attitude is proper for prayer. Do we know God? Do we know ourselves? And do we know Christ? Do we know God? I fear often that we're almost guilty of skipping this question entirely when it comes to prayer. I know that this is, sometimes I find myself prone to this as well. We're so tempted to, 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 pre, to begin our prayer, and, and yes, we address God as our Father, but we almost immediately jump to this whole list of problems that I want to get to, and Lord, I kind of want to lay these things in front of you. But do we stop and say, do we know God? Do we know who we're praying to? Do we think about it? Do we address him as such? Do, do we reflect on the fact that he is the Lord, the God, the creator, the maker of heaven and earth, the one who holds in his hand the breath of your life? Do we look outside at the landscape and recognize that each and every detail is created by God when the stars come out tonight? Do we think about the fact that he knows them by name? Do we know God? I fear that way, way too often we have such a small view of God. Such a small view. I was reminded of this actually a couple of weeks ago. I was at a conference in San Diego right alongside the ocean. And one afternoon while walking the beach, I met a man who was speaking at this conference, a man, Stephen Black. And we were talking about this very thing, about how we often have such a small view of God. And so he said to me, he walked out into the water, just up to his ankles, and he said to me, Hilmer, he pointed to the water between him and the shore. He said, when I think of God, I think that this, this is how much I know about God. And then he turned around the opposite direction, and he pointed at the water at his ankles, all the way out to the water on the horizon, and he said, and I'm reminded that that's how much I don't know about God. And that's a healthy perspective for us to have of God. He is so far beyond what we can comprehend, and yet he allows us to come into his presence. There's another great saying that says, the doorway to prayer is a small door, and we need to stoop low as we enter. It gives us some perspective on whether we know God. Do we know ourselves? Prayer, we're communicating between two parties. We, we have God on the one hand, and we, and we have ourselves, and God allows us to be in communication with him. But do we truly know ourselves in connection with God? I know it's the question we repeat time and again, but do we see ourselves as sinners? 
One of the greatest examples in all of Scripture is Luke 18, the story of the prayer of the Pharisee and the tax collector, one man who knew himself before God and one who didn't. One man who walked into the temple courts and said, Lord God, I thank you that I'm not like that person or that person or that person. Didn't know himself. Then you have the tax collector who couldn't even bring his eyes up to God. Couldn't even lift his eyes up because he knew who he was before God. That man knew himself. And we're told that he went home justified. When we know ourselves, it brings us to a proper place of humility. James 4 verse 10 tells us we need to humble ourselves before God. It's hard for all of us. We also need to be sincere. If we know ourselves, we need to be sincere. We can't come before God in prayer and expect expect it to, to be acceptable and pleasing to him when we have hidden sins that we're not confessing. You can't come to God in prayer and expect him to to hear and to answer when you have these secret parts of your life that you're pretending he doesn't know about it. We need to be humble, but we need to be authentic. We need to be sincere before God because he knows who we are. And that's not to suggest today that you need to be perfect as if there is such a thing. But God does want us to be honest, sincere, open in prayer. Finally, do you know Christ? This should be a natural working out of the first two questions. If you know God, and if you know yourself, then you know the situation we're in. You're confronted with the reality of sin. If we know God and we know ourselves, we know that we could cry and scream and plead and beg all we want, but there is an incredible gap between God and us created by sin, and our prayers would not be heard. You need to know Christ. You need to know him as the one who actually brings our prayers before God. 1 Timothy 2 verse 5 says, there is one God, one mediator between God and man, and that is is the man, Christ Jesus. For prayer, you need to have faith in Jesus Christ. You need to know him as Lord and Savior, to believe that his work, his suffering, his death, that it is sufficient. And we recognize that to know Christ, we need his spirit. We need a spirit that changes hearts. We need a spirit that changes lives. We need a spirit that gives us the proper attitude for prayer. We need to have a spirit that helps us in prayer. Because the reality that we all face is that life is incredibly hard. Life is so incredibly hard sometimes. And I'm sure that there are those of you here this afternoon that are burdened, that are weighed down, And you have to say, if you're honest with yourself, that you have trouble even articulating what you want to say. You don't even know how to express yourself before God. But when we know Christ, we know the truth of his spirit. Romans 8 verse 26 says, in the same way the spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray for, but the spirit himself intercedes for us. 
That's the beauty of the message of the gospel. When we know Christ, even in our hardest moments, even in those times where we can't fathom what's going on, we have a spirit that intercedes on our behalf. My prayer is that we would be a a church, a community that does not take prayer for granted. My prayer is that we would be individuals who do not take prayer for granted. I pray that we would know God, that we would truly know ourselves, that we would know Christ Jesus, that we would know the saving work of his spirit in our lives, and that we would love and value the power of prayer. Amen.